Ladies in Red and Arsenal Women's Podcast this week. Not much to cover, really, when you look at it on paper, but we have that massive game against Manchester United in the WSL. want to focus a bit more on the WSL as a whole this week. Um, there were some really big games, really important games last week that were played. And, dare I say, a couple of results that might shape how the table ends up looking towards the end of the season. So let's get straight into that. Before we look at last week, so it was match day before we look at those games, let's have a quick reminder of how the league table was looking. Chelsea were in first position with 34 points, followed by Manchester City in second on 31. Arsenal then were in third on 28 points, so three points behind City and um, six points behind Chelsea. United were then in fourth place with 24 points. Then we came down to fifth with Liverpool. Spurs in six, they're both on 19 points. Leicester City, Aston Villa in seventh and eighth, respectively, with 13 points. And then as we get further down, ninth, tenth, and eleventh are all on 11 points. West Ham, Everton, Brighton, and Bristol City sitting in 12th in the relegation zone on six points. So just to kind of give you a recap of where everything is, um, the game scheduled for last week, we had Chelsea versus City on the Friday evening. Arsenal Manchester United on the Saturday and Sunday's action was Brighton versus Liverpool, Everton versus West Ham, Spurs versus Villa and Leicester City versus Bristol City. Oof. So that was three out of six games where the teams were playing against their direct league rivals. So there was a lot on the line this week. It felt like a bit of a crunch blockbuster weekend shall we say um and the first game that we're going to talk about of course has to be the Chelsea versus City game so first versus second in the league massive game massive game not only for for their fans um for neutrals but I think for Arsenal fans as well it was definitely a match that we were going to be tuning into watching um to see what it would mean for us going forward in the season so hypotheticals here if Chelsea had won then they would have gone a massive nine points ahead of Arsenal City they would have gone six points ahead. But of course, that gap could have been closed on the following day when Arsenal played Manchester United. Still, you know, at this stage in the season, nine points ahead with the game in hand, okay. But, you know, it would have been an unthinkable thing, really. Before we talk more in detail about how Arsenal got on, let's take a very quick look at the result in the Friday night's game. So the game got underway at Kings Meadow with City scoring early thanks to Bunny Shaw. She scored in the 14th minute. The Jamaican international is now top goal scorer in the competition and, let's be real, probably the most likely candidate to scoop the golden boot at the end of the season. Unintentional rhyming there. <laughs> Despite Chelsea's dominance of possession, they enjoyed 60% throughout the entirety of the game. They failed to create many chances that counted and... Yeah, the chances that they did have, they were dealt with superbly by Kiara Keating. She is just really exceeding a lot of expectations, I think, this season. You know, as a 19-year-old goalkeeper, to be entrusted to wear the number one chair, I mean, she's not wearing the number one chair, but to be entrusted to play week in, week out, I mean, she's proving why she continues to be chosen. But anyway, I digress. I could speak for a very long time about uh, Keating and the season she's having. Chelsea probably should have been awarded a penalty for a foul committed by Greenwood, but that was not spotted by the ref. And obviously with a VAR, it's not going to be called back. The game finished 1-0 with City going level on points and goal difference with Chelsea. So um, pretty crazy, pretty tight at the top. They do remember, uh, 
sorry, they do remain in second, however, due to Chelsea having a better number of goals than them. Uh, so goals for them than, than City do. So it's really, really tight up there at the top. Overall for neutral, I think you'd be delighted with that result. It keeps the title race well and truly open. Um, nine games to go. Obviously, these teams are involved in other competitions. It's going to be very hard to predict just how you know the final few games go. That being said, I think for Arsenal as well, it was a pretty good result. I think a draw would have been potentially the best case scenario. However, a City win isn't too bad. As I mentioned, this result um, means both teams go six points ahead of Arsenal. That was when Arsenal had a game in hand. Uh, they had the chance to narrow, narrow to three if they got the win over Manchester United. Um, it's also worth noting, I believe, that Arsenal have still to face City and Chelsea again this season. Um, obviously we faced in the first half of the season we picked up six points from from those two games if we were to win those two games again for argument's sake not drop any more points we would then go level on points with both teams it's shaping up very very nicely at the top of course there was the mammoth task of facing United at the Emirates which was the first hurdle to get back in the game back in that title race but things are shaping up nicely and when you see the 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 results like that, you know, you do realize that Chelsea are beatable. Um, obviously, we played City recently, and they played very, very tight. They did s- scrape that one 0 win in the in the FA Cup, but you know, anything's possible, really. So let's get on to that United game and see where we stand. So last season, Manchester United managed to take all six points off of us in the league and finish second above us. They secured the chance to play Champions League football for the first time in their history. Now. It is worth mentioning, it is a relatively short history. They were only founded in 2018. Uh, they obviously failed to qualify for Champions League football, but they were probably Chelsea's biggest contenders last year. I mean, obviously we had a lot of injuries. I don't need to say that every podcast, but you know, th- there was a lot of things that went in their favour that would have given them the best opportunity to challenge Chelsea for the title last season. Um, we did face United already this season. It was in the second match day, uh, following our opening day defeat to Liverpool. It did look like we were on set for our second loss of the season so early on until a cast fired a stunning late equaliser past Erps to pick up Arsenal's first point um, of the campaign. So, yeah, that was a crazy match as well. How is their season going? Well, it's been a bit of a challenge for Mark Skinner's side, who were four points off Arsenal in fourth position going into this game. They've lost two of their last five with defeats coming to Liverpool at home and Chelsea away. Pressure was definitely mounting on the Reds and their manager, but the same can be said for Arsenal, of course, as well. Following their shock defeat to West Ham, it seems as though winning the title would be mission impossible, pretty <laughs> pretty basically, but um, with both teams ahead, so Chelsea and City pulling away. Chelsea losing the previous night, it was a bit of a lifeline for the Gunners to reaffirm themselves as title contenders. So let's see how they did in that match. Let's have a quick look at the team. First of all, I think it's a very interesting team, actually. In goal, we had uh, D'Angelo, back four of Katie McCabe on the right, Codina, Wubamoya centre-back pairing and Catley on the left. Midfield, we had Balti and Palova sitting a bit deeper with Kim Little playing in the 10 role. On the right, we had Beth Mead. On the left, we had and then playing up front was Black Stinius. Now, there's an awful lot to discuss here. Uh, it was D'Angelo and Codina's first start in the league since the reverse fixture of this game back in October. Um, D'Angelo did make a rather costly mistake in that game, which led to a goal and since then hasn't featured in the league. But 
she has been selected in the cup. Uh, she did quite well in the last cup game that we played. Zinsberger was on the bench, so I feel as though this was a tactical move rather than a, you know, a, a change that was forced through injury. Um, looking at that back four, then we had Katie McCabe on the right because uh, Emily Fox had been brought over to join the US national team early in preparation for the Women's Gold Cup. Um, what else is there to mention? Oh, yeah, Leah Codina as well in at centre-back ahead of Amanda Illestet and Leah Williamson. Leah Williamson had picked up a slight knock, um, or a hamstring injury from a slight knock she endured in training, and Illestet was out through sickness. So we had Leah Codina stepping in there, and then Catley was obviously playing on the left with McCabe over on the right. Midfield, I don't think there's much really to talk about there. As happy, I think that's probably our strongest midfield that we've put out so far this season and attackers Lacasse on the left ahead of forward and Blackstinius up front instead of Russo um <clears throat> I think that's fair I think in terms of I mean Fours looked very very tired in her last few games she's performing well Russo I think Blackstinius's numbers just kind of pip her there so far this season she hasn't had many stars I think it was her third start in the WSL this season um so yeah I think attackingly we chose well I think we went for players who were in form I was a bit concerned, I'm not going to lie, about the back four and goalkeeper. Um, not the strongest, I think, you know, personally, I prefer McCabe on the left. I think on the right, she's effective, but she's not as good as she is, on as if, as influence in the game, shall we say, as she is on the left. Codina also was a bit of a worry. She had a shaky start, but I think she grew into it quite well. Wu Moy, I think she's been fabulous so far this season, and Catley as well. But it's just it was that kind of um right hand side really of McCabe, Codina, and then of course questions over D'Angelo. Was she ready? Was she going to be able to redeem herself from the mistakes that she made in this fixture previously in the season, so on and so forth. But um nevertheless, let's jump straight into the game. So the game took place at the Emirates, and it was the first time a WSL match has ever been a sellout at the Emirates Stadium, which is phenomenal. Gunners got off to a quick start, taking an early lead within 10 minutes as Jay-Z inadvertently deflected Katie McCabe's corner into her own net. Great start. Arsenal continued to apply pressure in the early stages. United looked super disorganised um, at the back and Arsenal extended their lead to 2-0 with Chloe Lacasse capitalising on Katie Zellum's clearance. Uh, looked like an error really from a quickly taken free kick shout out to the Canadian for a goal celebration we love that we crave that <laughs> at least someone's giving us what we deserve um, things went from bad to worse for the visitors then in the first half with Arsenal further exploiting uh, defensive vulnerabilities when Beth Mead was brought down by Billy Turner leading to a penalty expertly converted by Kim Little now our captain has converted the most penalties in WSL history uh, with 19 penalties converted pretty crazy pretty crazy stat um, <laughs> the second half was slightly less eventful shall we say Beth Mead was unlucky to find the back of the net when her effort was denied by the woodwork woodwork on two separate occasions she did get close I thought it was a bit unfair that she was very very lively in front of goal on any other day she could have scored but just wasn't the day um, and yeah, although Manchester United managed a late consolation goal um, from a quickly taken corner, it was not enough to salvage the match and the game ended 3-1, meaning Arsenal picked up all three points, meaning we went three points behind league leaders City and Chelsea. So player of the match was given to Mead. Um, 
yeah, I thought she played well, but personally, I would have given it to Valti or Wubamoy. They would have been my first choice. Uh, Steph Catley was also forced off through injury when she went to head a ball low and collided with the body of Lucia uh, Garcia. Just wanted to mention that because it did look pretty nasty, um, you know, bad concussion, but I think she's doing all right. Um, there's been nothing really said of that, so that's just one thing I wanted to mention there. Also, the match took place in front of a new WSL record of 60,160 people in the crowd. The game was a sellout, including for the first time at hospitality level, showing the demand for the game is continually growing. Matt Cutler tweeted that this season, Arsenal Women FC have uh, currently have a higher attendance, excuse me, average league attendance than nine Premier League clubs, which is pretty crazy. Arsenal's average Attendance so far this season is 31,428. This is, of course, thanks to our, I believe, five of our home games uh, already have been played at the Emirates. We have another game coming up, which brings our total. So out of 11, we'll have six games played at the Emirates rather than at Meadow Park, which has a max capacity of 4,500. So it really influences the amount of people who can go to games. And look, Arsenal have proved over this season, over last season, that people want to be going to these games, that people are willing to go. They're willing to you know, travel maybe to the bigger stadium or whatever it is, but they are capable of attracting that crowd. So it's big, big, big props to the club for allowing the women to play there. Um, Lacasse in her post-match interview said, Arsenal's massive, we're leading the charge in this. It's not just today, we want to carry this going forward into the future. And I think this is what the future holds for women's football. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not much more to say. Arsenal really are at the forefront of the growth of women's football more attendance than some Premier League teams, which is crazy. Tim Stillman also tweeted the following, which I found personally so interesting. Something underestimated is that these games are incredibly commercially attractive for Arsenal as a club, regardless of growing the women's game. There's six extra games that they have here with big crowds this season. I'm told the club makes more money than at the armory for women's games than at the men's. It's also incredibly important because London Stadium and Tottenham Hotspur Stadium taking up events like NFL and concerts. These games now mean Arsenal are making extra unique revenue on their stadium. Uh, Arsenal are discovering that the women's team isn't a charitable venture, but something that can benefit the club financially. They've released a whole other kit, which um, season sold out straight away. Yet more revenue the club makes from the women's team. So yeah, that's just taking an example of how the club benefits from the investment into the women's game, how it benefits from attracting, you know, from these big crowds going. Um, it helps with the cost of the stadium. And the release of the, the away kit as well this season has been incredible. Sold out <laughs> virtually since it has been released. Um so yeah, I think that's really, really positive. And it shows the importance of growing the women's game, not just for the benefit of women, let's say, not for the benefit of the players, but for the club as a whole. Uh, I think Arsenal are definitely in the lead, shall we say, as the club in England that has this one club approach. Um, it does feel there's a lot of unity between the men's team, and the women's team, also the younger teams, the under-21s. It feels very fair. It feels very... I don't know. It, it just feels like a very symbiotic relationship where the value, you know, the women aren't fighting to be respected. Shall we put it that way? There's a lot of respect there for them, for what they're doing, for what they're achieving. And, you know, that comes from the top down. It comes from the players 
being the best that they can be it comes from the player people behind the scenes investing into the women's game making sure that it's possible and of course it comes from the very very top which is exceptional to see so yeah it's crazy to think how far the women's game has come and it's all thanks to those who are at the very forefront uh, when very few were paying attention so it seemed very fitting that the quadruple winning side of the 2006-2007 season were welcomed back players and managerial staff alike each member of the squad was giving a commemorative gift it seemed to be like a piece of crystal like a glass uh, ornament with all four titles that they won on it that year so that would include of course the champions league the only women's english team to won the champions league may i add uh gen bd was also in attendance to receive an official farewell after joining bay fc in january so yeah it was i think overall it was a great afternoon for the club obviously arsenal men won that day as well so there was a lot to celebrate an awful lot to celebrate um Let's look at some of the other WSL results from that weekend and how the table is shaping up. Leicester City bet struggling Bristol 5-2 at home. Villa managed to beat Spurs at home. So that was Tottenham 1, Aston Villa 2, thanks to a Jordan Nod's absolute wonder strike. You can take the girl out of Arsenal, but you can't take the Arsenal out of the girl. Everton managed their first home win of the season against West Ham, scoring two and conceding none. And despite Liverpool picking up a red card away from home, they bet Brighton uh, 1-0. So, quick look at the table. We kind of touched on this, but yeah, run through it very quickly. At the top, we have Chelsea on 34 points. City, 34 points in second. The only difference there is goals uh, scored. Arsenal in third on 31 points. United lagging there slightly behind um, in fourth with 24 points points they should probably be looking over the shoulder at that fifth place Liverpool who are now on 22 points Spurs in sixth uh, with 19 points Leicester City in seventh with 16 Villa in eighth with 16 Everton thanks to their win have now gone up to ninth with 14 points West Ham Brighton sitting in 10th and 11th respectively with 11 points and then down the bottom is Bristol City with six points I mean Just to briefly touch on Bristol City there, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them to escape that relegation zone at the moment. Teams around them are picking up points okay, yeah. Small points, you know, there's only five points between them and uh, between them, Brighton and West Ham, but I think the other teams, Brighton, West Ham, they, they have enough there to get results to really scrape together a few points here and there, and I don't really see Bristol City being able to get two two wins uh, that they need to carry them over to that safety zone but who knows everything's happening <laughs> um, you know the, the impossible is happening this season and yeah I think what an incredible weekend of WSL football obviously for Arsenal fans as well it really feels like the hope's back and you know everyone said after the game there's you can't rule you can't rule it out yet <clears throat> particularly with those two games uh, against City and Chelsea to come so Obviously, we're on international duty now. I'm going to have a quick look at the games coming up, you know, things of interest, and then we will look at what's waiting for us once we come back. Let's start with Europe then over the international break. We'll start with some friendlies that are being played. Republic of Ireland, captained by uh, Katie McCabe, are playing two friendlies, the first against Italy and second against Wales. In the English camp, Leo Williamson has withdrawn from the Lioness squad due to her hamstring injury and will miss out on the games versus Austria and Italy. This was her first time being called into the squad since her ACL injury, so super disappointed that she's missing out on that again, wishing her a very speedy recovery, obviously. Switzerland, captained by Leo Valti, will be playing a doubleheader against Poland again that's another friendly and we shall move on to the nation leagues finals now I don't really understand how the nation league nations league works but 
we can get onto that in a minute. Um, the finals are obviously the top four teams, the top four groups of so Group A's. It's a mini four-team tournament who will determine basically uh, which team is going to join France the host of the uh, Olympics this summer in Paris. So we have two semifinals taking place. We have Spain against Netherlands in one and France, Germany in another. Um, although Miedemann and Pilova have travelled, they've not been spotted in training, so they could potentially miss out for the Dutch squad there. We'll keep you updated on that. Like I said, I don't really understand how it works. I don't know what happens if France qualify, you know, France beat Germany and then Spain beat the Netherlands, for example, or Netherlands beats beats. Um, Spain who goes through then in that case do you know what I mean I don't understand how that works but it's fine it's completely fine we'll figure it out as we watch and <laughs> um, there are other nation league matches taking place I guess these are winners and losers of respective groups facing off uh, the teams are competing in playoffs to decide their Euro 25 qualifying league so games of interest for us Arsenal fans include Sweden versus Bosnia and Herzegovina and Norway versus Croatia I'm not going into the teams I'm not going into who's been selected we can have a look and see who plays in the next pod that's no problem at all but i just trying to figure out how the nation league works really took a lot of time and energy now we're moving on to outside of europe and let's go to america as i mentioned emily fox missed out against united because she joined the u.s women's national team early for Concacaf w gold cup now i really hope i'm pronouncing that right what exactly is this so according to wikipedia the 2024 Concacaf w gold cup is the inaugural season of the Concacaf. W Gold Cup. I didn't put that in there three times. I just copied and pasted. Um, an international women's soccer competition contested by the senior women's national teams of the member associations of CONCACAF. Uh, the tournament will be contested by 12 teams from February 20th to March 10th of this year in the United States. There's eight CONCACAF, I really hope I'm pronouncing that right, national teams, uh, joined by four guest teams from the CONMEBOL, which I believe is the South um, American uh, confederation shall we say so international competitions during domestic leagues i'm not really a fan of them i mean i don't i watched the for example in the men's game i watched the um afcon final i thought it was good but i wasn't following it do you know what i mean i find it really disruptive um we're seeing an awful lot of acl injuries whether it's fluke or not being re- reported now you know it's not necessarily from teams that are involved in this competition but i just feel like you know this is another example of having to look at um the scheduling for the women's game because a lot of women players have come out and complained about it saying yeah we don't get enough chance our bodies are you know we can't play the best we can our bodies are suffering uh off the back of hectic schedules it could be much better organized obviously um in america they follow a different footballing calendar to europe so that's another thing to look at but yeah i, I it's frustrating i think um you know it, i believe one of the Chelsea players has pulled her hamstring while on duty for um the US national team I can't think of her name off the top of my head but yeah so it's just an example of poorly managed um schedules I guess and the impact that it's having on players and the quality of women's football overall uh, teams of interest here for us sorry going back to the competition we have the women's national team uh the united states women's national team with emily fox and canada so yeah i guess i'll be following the results as the contest goes on but i'm not going to go too into it yet not much really to discuss there moving then to australia they are taking part in the afc women's olympic qualifying tournament so the matildas are playing a two-legged final against uzbekistan and the winner of this match will qualify for paris 2024 so best of luck there 
trying to figure out how the international games work and who's going and what is such a minefield but I did my best um like I said once we have the games once we have the results I can go through a bit more detail see who is playing see which games are actually relevant for us um but nevertheless we have that to look forward to until we return to action on the 3rd of March and what is in store for us while well, we are taking on Spurs at home at the Emirates Stadium Spurs are of course one of the teams uh the three teams that took points off Arsenal in the league this season playing at the Emirates Stadium should be a massive boost hopefully we can get that as a sellout as well really really push to increase attendance to you know sell as many seats as possible and get that atmosphere up and going because I think we saw how important it was at that uh, during that United game against the game against City obviously we're not going to win every single game we play at the Emirates but I think making that our fortress and showing the the pull that we have as fans is incredible on the 6th of march then we have our semi-final conti cup tie against aston villa and between then and our next match we have a bit of time we face chelsea away in the league on the 15th of march so by no means are they easy tasks when we come back but look at this stage no game is going to be easy no game we can't we can't afford to drop any more points really if we want to continue to put pressure on chelsea and city at the top if we want to pick up you know a piece of silver we're going to have to I think our best chance is in the Conti Cup so we're going to have to go out against Aston Villa who've picked up in form and really put on a big performance there get to the final probably be against Chelsea again but we bet them last season so I've no doubt that we can do it again this season so deep breath that was a lot to cover Um, like I said I tried to focus a bit more holistically on what was going on in the WSL look forward to the international games but the main focus of this week of course is Arsenal beating Man's Man United, excuse me, 3-1 at home in a sold-out Emirates Stadium for the first time ever in front of a record crowd, WSL crowd. What a feeling, what a football club. I'm so proud to be a supporter, so proud of everyone who worked so hard to make this possible. And yeah, let's just keep pushing, let's keep, you know, everything that you can envision women's football to be. Uh, I believe Arsenal are at the forefront of that and it's so exciting to be part of that journey with this incredible club so yeah thank you so so much for listening I hope you enjoyed um, it's probably going to be a break over the international pause now but we'll be back covering the game against Spurs and probably Aston Villa depending on how the schedule works out but yeah thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoyed and as always if you want to get in contact there'll be some links in the description of this here please like please subscribe do whatever you need to do to show a bit of love to the podcast and yeah I'll see you all again soon. Thank you so much for listening.